And now an ad from this week's sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Media, and you're listening to Fresh Off the Bench. Hello and welcome back to Fresh Off the Bench. Glad to have you back. It's been a week or two. Uh, today we're joined by uh, resident Denver Broncos expert and Drew Lock aficionado Ismail Sai. Welcome to the pod. Hello, Macus and Sky. Yes, uh, you could. I guess you could say that about me, Macus. <laughs> And today we're going to be discussing um, some Steelers to start it off, and we'll be going into a Pac-12 review, and then we'll be talking about some NBA trade rumors going along, and Sky's favorite NBA player, Ben Simmons. Um, so starting off the Pittsburgh Steelers, news kind of came out about cutting... <laughs> okay, all right. So, um, so news came out about the Pittsburgh Steelers... Uh, David DeCastro got cut. What is going on there? Uh, what's going on with their offensive line? What do you think, Izzy? Uh, I was shocked to see that news, to be honest, because he was their best lineman that they had left. Um, you know, Pouncey Brothers retired. You know, you know the offensive line turnover was huge. Um, and it's not going to help when you have, you know, 38-year-old, 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger still still there and he needs a good offensive line in order to succeed because he can't extend plays with his legs anymore and I feel really bad for Najee Harris I mean he's not going to have anywhere to run uh, and the Steelers have a tough schedule so I was really surprised by the move um, especially since I was low on the Steelers to begin with so this does not help their case to have a good season at all yeah, I was not a fan of cutting uh, cutting David Castro at all. I'm pretty sure PFF came out, um, and they when they were ranking offensive lines going into the season, they ranked the Steelers like 30th, and they said that the winchpin of this offensive line is David DeCastro, who's now gone. Um, but I was already concerned about their tackles. Their interior is ve- vastly unproven. They signed Trey Turner, who's been, well, bad and injured the past two seasons, and that's not a good sign. Um and really, if they continue running this quick-fire offense they kind of ran last year where they were, you know, getting plays out really, really, really quickly, um, like, it might look good on the offensive line stat sheet. They won't be allowing as many sacks, but they won't be doing well, and a lot of those passes will be awry because Ben Roth's not the same quarterback. Yeah, yeah that's plus, kind of... you know, no, you okay. can go guy. That's oh, kind of like where I was sitting with, you know, 
especially with the Steelers. The Steelers are in a unique position where their offensive line matters more than I'd say almost any other team in the league just because of Ben's mm-hmm. recent injury history and they have a rookie running back that's going to need the, like his first season to go right. He's not like one of those surefire guys that we know are going to come out and produce behind almost any line. He's a guy that needs a line that's going to need a line to progress as a rookie and get better. And with Ben's injury history and his lack of mobility, um, it's going to really that, – that was a move that's really going to hurt them. Yeah, I mean, they still have those three great receivers, but, I mean, again, that can only take you so far. Like, you know, quarterback needs to be protected in order for that to be a big part of their offense. So I don't know what the Steelers are doing, but it's not going to be a good season here in Pittsburgh and will probably be Big Ben's last year. Yeah. It's really intriguing what they plan on doing run-blocking-wise because they kind of have Derek Watt, Eric Ebron, and Pat Fryermuth, um, Fryermuth and Watt can all can add run-blocking ability. Uh, I don't know if Ebron can do that. Uh, he hasn't seen that ever in his career. Um, but they're the best run blockers on the team, uh, in a sense. Uh, and when I scout running backs coming into the draft, I had this thing that I started scouting um, in 2022. I, I add this on almost, not 2022, 2020 uh, for that draft. It's kind of something I've added to all my running back reports since then. It's called the Cam Akers factor. Because Cam Akers was on an awful Florida State run blocking team. The Cam Akers factor is ability to produce without good blocking. I think it was really important going into That's true. Uh, the NFL, and I did not see that with Najee Harris. Yeah, so that that's definitely a big concern there, especially I me. Mean, yeah, Cam Akers really did have a bad offensive line at Florida State, and uh, then he still produced. And you know, we see what he's going to become in the NFL now, hopefully. Yeah. But I think Najee will be fine. I think he'll figure it out to a degree, but. I would like keep expectations low. Certainly. And there's a lot of concern about this offensive line against division rival, the Ravens, because what the Ravens like to do on defense is and not the Browns. only and the Browns, but what the Ravens like to do on defense is not only blitz, they really like to get their their front seven guys one-on-ones when attacking the quarterback. And I don't think any of these linemen can withstand a one-on-one with a, a Baltimore pass pressure yeah for sure yeah not. i i agree yes yeah, and the browns too you got to throw them in there they're gonna have problems within division i can't remember like, where i put the steelers when i did my spreadsheet but when i do my final revisions like in the middle of august late august it's that's going to be a big factor in the afc north is going to be uh the Steelers line just kind of malfunctioning. I mean, they let Villanueva walk and a few other guys, and then they cut DeCastro. It's not like they went out and signed, you know, top guys or made offers even for the Orlando Brown when he was on the market, and he didn't really pu- they didn't really push for some of the other guys that were rumored to be on the market. They just kind of, like, let everybody go and hope that it turns out all right, but... Usually that doesn't happen, especially with the line, as we saw in Kansas City last year. Yeah, yeah. And I have kind of two two other questions, like bouncing off this. If this line really backfires and Big Ben gets injured, what happens if they have to turn to Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins? That's less than ideal because we've seen what Rudolph can do, and it's less than stellar. 
Uh, Haskins, he's been less than stellar as well. But I think, I mean, if it's worth anything, I think he has a little bit more potential than Rudolph does. But th- that that will be very bad if Big Ben goes down because offense is. Uh, I believe the offense wasn't going to go anywhere with him at quarterback, and it's not even going to go anywhere with the other two at quarterback. So that's a nightmare scenario for Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin. Yeah, they're not like they're not a Seattle or a Buffalo or Baltimore or whoever that actually has you know decent pass catchers that they can play off of for a young quarterback that has to step in due to injury or you know a backup. They're not one of those teams. So you know Juju's proven to be faulty. Their young receivers are wish-washy, and Ebron's also pretty wish-washy, so they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do in terms of trying to create a productive um, productive offense without Big Ben because if the line isn't working, then the run game isn't going to work, so they can't piggyback on that. Certainly. Uh, and then the other question would be, you know, with how this offensive line situation has progressed throughout the offseason, what kind of fantasy impact do you think it has on the Steelers uh, in 2021? Well, I mean, I know everybody was high on Najee Harris. Um, I think he, I think he would be more of a running back three flex territory. You know, I, I saw some people putting him as a running back two. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's that's realistic for him as for the receivers i think they're all in the wide receiver three category um maybe deontay johnson as a flex because you know drop issues and and whatnot and you have claypool and juju so yeah that that would be the impact and i don't think ben roethlisberger starter startable at all there are better options on the qb market so yeah i i would steer clear of big ben but the other the other guys could be decent value yeah in my opinion you guys know how I feel about Tua. I would rather start Tua on my fantasy team than Ben Roethlisberger this year. Like it's oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have nobody to throw to. You know. Not even that. He's just, I don't even think he'll be able to get them the ball because teams are teams started figuring Pittsburgh out towards the end yeah. of last season. I mean, we saw them completely implode in the playoff game too. Well, they, we saw they them had implode like, against the Bengals. Like yeah, that that too. They, they had like one defensive block. They had like one defensive injury, and then their entire season just took a downturn because they were right. really hinging on, you know, they were getting really lucky with easy games early that their defense was able to click all together as a complete unit, and they were carrying their offense. And then, you know, they had one injury, and that entire group just fell apart. Yeah, and that's kind of the other question surrounding this Pittsburgh team. They let Bud Dupree walk, and they're – they cut their best cornerback, in my opinion, in Steven Nelson. And they don't have a cornerback. That to... was a big mistake, in my oh, opinion. He, he, was, he was really, really good last year. Like, and, you know, letting Dupree walk, I mean, I guess you could see it coming because they didn't really have money to re-sign him at the price tag that he was going to ask for. And, you know, Titans gave him a lot of money. But, yeah, I still think the defense will, will be good. Because, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, that's their calling card. But it's definitely not going to be the number one defense in the league like it was last year. Certainly. Or t- maybe not number one, but they were definitely top of the league. Right, right, right. What are your thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I'm with Izzy. I still think their defense is going to be good, but it's going to be nowhere near what it was last year, in my opinion. I think it's going to be good enough to win them a couple games, but 
Right. Yeah, there are line difficulties and and like you said, cutting uh, not pursuing Dupree and then cutting Steven Nelson. I think it's it's going to have a major like altogether is going to have a major implication on their their win loss. I agree. Right. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and then, what is Mike Tomlin's status going into the season? Uh, there was an argument kind of in the Phenom servers earlier about you know. Uh, What's going on? Which quarter? Uh, not quarterbacks. Which head coaches are on the hot seat? Is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? Oh, I called out on a. I can't remember. That's it. Tough. Might have been the podcast that I was doing for Phenom with uh, maybe Sam Sherry, but I uh, I said last year that Tomlin should be gone. Like, what has Tomlin really done other than the Super Bowl? Like since then, what has he done? First well, round I mean, he's bounces. had a winning record every single year he's been there, if I'm not mistaken. I understand, but you can have winning records, but if it doesn't get you the chip, if you're not getting deep into the playoffs, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, so like, 2018, they missed the playoffs. 2019, they missed the playoffs. 2020, they absolutely butt-fumbled the second half of the season. What happens in 2021? Like, because, like, that was my big problem with – yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan, everybody knows – that was my biggest problem when we had Alex Smith was that we were a very good team and we would win consistently, but Alex wasn't getting us where we needed to be. And it was obvious to see that wasn't an it Andy Reid problem. Andy Reid problem, yeah. It's like, it, it was obvious that, you know, our defense would have great years and our offense would have great years, but we just didn't have the leadership to get there. And so I think I think it's... It's a bigger problem for the Steelers, and I think it's got to be both Ben. They've got to basically tell him that if he retires or he's not going to be back, and Mike Tomlin needs to be gone after this season. Well, I I don't know. I think because if they do bad this year, right, it's inevitable that they're going to go into a rebuild, and the question is will Mike Tomlin want to be a part of that? So I, I think maybe he just resigns from the job and maybe gets another job elsewhere, or they just outright fire him after, you know, maybe the, yeah after they have a bad season. But yeah, I don't yeah, think he I, should. Either like, way, I think he's gone, though, in my opinion. I don't think they he have should a be out of coaching, just not with the Steelers. Yeah, because, you know, the, like, yeah, I don't think it does them any good to bring him back. Like, they, they, need, to, they need to rebuild, they need to reset. Yeah. Yeah, I agree there. Um, I think that brings us to our first break, unless anyone has anything to add. Yeah, no. So yeah, I'm we're going to go out on break to, get, you guessed it, uh, Zach Bryan. So, we only need to come this show. Zach Bryan, <laughs> if you're listening, please sponsor us. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you guys on the other side. This is Cole Nevins, founder of Phenom Media, and you're listening to Fresh Off the Bench. We are back from break, here to talk Pac-12. This is the part where uh, Mackis and Izzy usually talk most of the time, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably jump in with some Carter Stanley comments, but uh, yeah, right. take it away, guys. 
Um, yeah. Let's start with the biggest Pac-12 team in the news recently, Arizona State. Um, they are being investigated for crimes against NCAA football. Uh, so during the recruiting dead period in 2020, uh, some brilliant man by the name of Herm Edwards decided to invite recruits to campus, and everyone was aware of this. Uh, recruits were not allowed on campus. Everyone in Arizona State, it was just revealed that the AD was aware this was happening, uh, and it's going to you know it's going to get to the point where everyone is fired. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on that situation before we get into the actual team? I mean. I wasn't expecting that from Arizona State. You know, I mean, Herm Edwards has always been a good coach and he's always been, you know, following the rules and stuff. I didn't expect this from him. Um, but in terms of what this means for their future, like you said, Marcus, once, you know, everything is sorted out, everyone's going to be gone. So it's going to be a ter- like right before, you know, you got before you got the season to start, you know, that's like two months before the season's supposed to start. Like, that's not good at all. Um you know, AD is going to be out, you know, whole offensive, whole offensive, whole defensive staff, all going to be gone. That's going to be bad for the players because then they're going to have to get new coaches, you know, to get everybody up to speed on their scheme and their system. And, you know, they'd have Arizona state does have some good players and, you know, they probably will adjust, but, you know, I know a lot of people had high expectations for them coming into the season. You know, they were very, very good in Pac-12 play last year, but I mean, this, this is huge, like in, in a bad way for them. Yeah, I think it's gonna. It's probably gonna come out that more teams were doing this. I just right. think it. It was kind of like. Um, it was kind of probably. Something, that the NCAA knows that a lot of schools were doing, but they were kind of making, it a point, like using them as an example. Like we're seeing a lot in college basketball, with you know some of the bigger schools being used as examples. Um, Right. In, in like a practice that everybody's doing and Mississippi State was using an example and paying players, even though everybody was doing it. You know, the NCAA does this a lot. So I think it's probably going to come out that, that, you know, a lot more schools were doing this and it wasn't just Arizona State. It was probably, you know, almost everybody. I'm sure schools are doing this, but like a coach came out and leaked this and that's why it's big news right now. Uh, and I think being the first school that this has been like officially confirmed for, I'm almost positive everyone is out of there. That's like Marvin Lewis is in that building. Like, there's a ton of people like losing their job there. Yeah, that that's huge for them. I mean, just wow, it's, that's going to rock college football, honestly. Yeah, and the like, concerning part about them then, like going into the season, they're going to have a quick turnaround coaching wise. They're probably not going to get a new staff until, you know, halfway through uh, camp, uh, probably at this point. Jaden Daniels is not a good quarterback outside yeah. of his speed. He's not going to get an opportunity to try and grow his game any because he's not going to have an offseason. I mean, he'll have that run game to lean back on, to be fair, you know, and that's a good foundation to have. But yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to stun his development. Uh, Jaden Daniels. Uh, I thought you said Jalen Daniels. Like, he transferred from KU? What? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, I was like, when did I – how did I miss that? <laughs> yeah, Jaden Daniels is a really, like – he's almost like Lamar Jackson in a sense where he's really fast, except he can't really throw the ball. Except he he actually can't throw the ball. Lamar can kind of throw the ball. He can't. Right. Say, so like Lamar Jackson. 
<laughs> Lamar Jackson. But yeah, so Arizona State, it's yeah, the this this season's basically done for them before it even started, to be honest. So their defense is good though. Yeah, they, they have, have defensive defense. talent. They, they do. do. And they're off like halfway. So the left half of their offensive line is great. And Richard White averaged 10 yards a carry last season. Yeah, he's insane. <laughs> but who do they have at wide receiver? I mean, I you, you have uh I mean Brian Thompson's pretty nice, I guess. They got your, a transfer. The answer was Chad Johnson Jr. <laughs> yeah, him too. Um, yeah, so they, they have some decent receivers. I I do think the run game is gonna carry them like really far though. Like if like if this like okay, I shouldn't have said that their season is done, but it's definitely like you have to we have to like temper expectations with Arizona State. Yeah, I had them at seven and five before all this came out. Uh, if things go down as I'm expecting, I, I think they're a five and seven team. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them with that record too. You're now listening to Fresh Off the Bench. All right. So we're back with Pac-12. Let's talk Pac-12 South. We started with ASU, um, who a lot of people are high on, but obviously we are not even before and after the allegation item at seven and five and now five and seven. Uh, people are saying that they're fringe college football playoff contenders, which is absolute. No, they're not. even. Okay, continue. All right. So let's talk about the best team in the South, in my opinion, at least, the Utah Utes. Yeah, you got Charlie Brewer at quarterback. I know you're excited about that too, Marcus. Uh, I know they're your pick to win the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. They they have they have good they have a good weapon at wide receiver, Britton Kobe. He's definitely one of the most underrated players in the Pac-12. Uh, offensive line, you know, obviously he's going to be good once again within the conference. Um, and then Brewer is definitely going to elevate the offense. I think they were better than Arizona State even before the allegations. I mean, I really do like Utah a lot. Um, I think they win the South as well. Obviously, they're going to have some competition with maybe USC. Um, but, yeah, they, they definitely do have a lot that they can rely on. And, you know, they have eight starters returning on defense, which is huge. Um, you know, they only gave up 26 points a game last year. That can definitely improve. But, yeah, they, I do like Utah a lot this year. Yeah, that's the thing about Utah 2019. They had a great defense and like 12 players got drafted from it or something. Uh, and then going into 2020, they didn't really have anyone. And that was kind of a retooling year for them. Um, so coming into here, they've got, I'm mean, coming into this season, they've got, um, you know, experience. Uh, Devin Lloyd has to be one of the best linebackers in the conference behind like, only a few guys, maybe. Um, and their scheme helps out their defensive backs a lot. I'm excited about this offense. I think. I mean, despite the the player that they they lost very tragically uh, in the offseason, I think that they have a very talented run blocking unit. I think Charlie Brewer is going to add a lot. There's not much to else to say other than what Izzy said, but um, nine and three is where I got him, and I haven't won in the south. Yeah, the one concern for me for them though is their secondary. They gave up five pass plays of forty yards last year. That can't happen. You know, you can't lose games because of your secondary. But yeah, I think nine and three is very, very doable for Utah. Is probably what they're going to end up with. 
Certainly. Uh, and Sky, as a, a Big 12 fan uh, of Kansas, you've seen some Charlie Brewer before. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Um, yeah, I think he'll benefit uh, leaving the Big 12. The Big 12 has a lot of like QB turnover, and there's a lot of guys that transfer in and out at QB from the Big 12. So I think he'll benefit leaving to a more stable uh, environment, and he'll have Honestly, better defensive competition, probably. I don't know a ton about the Pac-12, but the Big 12 is known for no defense, so he'll at least have some better defensive competition if he was going to make the jump to the NFL. Certainly. Certainly. Right. For sure. And I think that's that's Utah. Uh, Opening showcase there, kind of very simple. Uh, Moving on to the other U school in the South in the Pac-12, USC. Uh, I know, I know. Izzy's got a lot to say here, so I'll let him take a take off. Oh my god! Um, where do I start? <laughs> um, look, Keaton Slovis, I think, is the most overrated quarterback in college football, and it's not close. I mean, the guy, yeah, he throws these. He makes like amazing throws, like, and he he throws like a lot of touchdowns, but he throws a lot of interceptions. Like he'll throw five touchdowns, but will also, you know, throw a game-changing pick in the fourth quarter, and that would be like his third of the game. And you know that's not good at all. Um, you I know, put, it, yeah. no, you can go. You can go. You can go. My personal thoughts on Keaton Slovis: um, I compare him to two LSU greats at quarterback. He has the accuracy of Joe Burrow, but the decision making of Demarcus Russell. Yeah. Exactly. That's that. That would be very accurate. I do like the t- Texas transfer though that they have Keontae Ingram. I think he's going to spark the ground game a lot. You know, I I feel like he didn't get a lot of opportunities at, at Texas, but he'll definitely have his lion's share of the carries here. Um, I think the I like and plus you know they they only averaged three point two yards a carry last year. That that can't happen again. It was bad. It was very bad. So I think Keontae will definitely like you know improve that. Um, but look, in, if they want to go far in the Pac-12, uh, the Keaton Slovis has to take care of the football. That that just that just has to happen. And if he wants to be a top draft pick in next year's draft, he's definitely gonna have to clean that up because uh, you know he has all the tools, you know. And you know, he, people think of him as the next great USC quarterback. I just haven't seen it yet, to be honest with you. I mean, next great USC quarterback doesn't mean a lot because the last great USC quarterback, Sam Darnold, has done nothing in the NFL to that's that's completely fair and yeah so that those are just my thoughts on usc and you know keaton slovis has yet to show me anything so if he does i will apologize but until then i'm not yeah so that's the issue from year one to year two i think there was a little bit of regression as opposed to i agree Uh, and i think that's an issue but outside receiver they're kind of stacked with drake london and uh brew mccoy their offensive line is you know on off, Elijah Vera Tucker was very clearly the best player kind of carrying that line. He's no longer there. Defensively, they added Corey Foreman, who was like the number one recruit in the class. And they've got uh, Isaiah Palomaru as a, a safety who's really good. I think they have a linebacker, too. Um, not in my notes, but uh, it's a very solid team. Uh, but USC has been underperforming since Clay Helton was hired. And I honestly think he should be on the hot going into the season. I was, to be honest, I was surprised that he wasn't fired like last year or two years ago. I'm shocked that he still has a job. 
but they they definitely have to they have to improve this year and you know they have to protect Slovis as well I mean because it's not all his fault they he got sacked 15 times in six games last year which you know that's not going to cut it so they definitely need to do a better job in that aspect he got sacked 15 times in six games with Elijah Vera Tucker on his blind side they don't yeah. have that anymore that's that's yeah, an that's, that's going to be very bad this could be get ugly quickly so yeah. Yeah, those are just that's just USC, I guess. And let's finish off the U teams of the South, UCLA. Um, <laughs> and here's my thoughts on UCLA. I think they finish off the third part of what makes the Pac-12 South the most overrated quarterback conference in all of the and NCAA like football. Dorian Thompson Robinson is not your it. favorite quarterback. He no Dorian Thompson Hurts. This man was ranked 117th out of 126 starters by Pro Football Focus. This man only generates anything on designed run plays. He cannot throw a spiral. If you watch his ball, it's – I mean, you, you can't see me, but it was, it was all over the place. Uh, honestly, Chip Kelly has been embarrassing. Um, and, you know, I think this quote is beautiful. Uh, the fact that UCLA's matchup with LSU was listed as a top non-conference matchup in 2021 by Bleacher Report is a disgrace. This will be a beat town where a top-tier SEC team legitimately asserts its dominance over a mid-to-low-tier Pac-12 team. Yeah, uh, that, that's accurate. Um, you know, the Bruins are 10-21 and 21 since Chip Kelly got hired. Uh, I will say, though, last year, all four of their losses were by six points or less. I mean, I guess you, you can take that for what it's worth. The offense did average 35 a game, but the schedule is definitely tough. You know, you mentioned LSU. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, he's not the best passer in the world, like you outlined very, very clearly. Um, but he averaged 285 total yards a game last year. I think he'll improve somewhat, but will it be to the point where it saves Chip Kelly's job is the question, and I think that's a no. And I do like the running back that they have. Uh, they have Britton Brown, and they have uh, Michigan transfer, uh, Zach Charbonnet. He was pretty good yes, uh, at Michigan. Did. Yeah, so and I think he'll definitely add to the run game. Yeah, you can go ahead. And it's, it's not like they don't have offensive weapons. They've got Greg, Greg Dulcich at tight end. They've got Charles Njoku, brother of uh, Brown's tight end, uh, at wide receiver. And they've got Kyle Phillips, who's a decent wide receiver. Uh, and their O-line's okay, but not having the quarterback is going to be an issue. Right, right. And, you know, I was already low on them in, in the first place. So I, I don't yeah. see much for UCLA. If Kelly isn't fired by the end of the year, then I don't know what, what's going on down there. I, I can't tell you. Um, moving on to another Pac-12 team that recently lost their quarterback, actually. Colorado. I don't know who they're starting. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know who they're starting either, but you, you can take this one. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's very clear. Colorado was a very lucky team in 2020. They like, oh, yeah. were second in the... Pac-12 South, which is absolutely insane. Direct Broussard came out of nowhere, but he's coming off two ACL tears before that. Uh, and, I mean, he could continue what he's doing, but I don't know if he will. I think he kind of just went on a hot streak. They've got Levante Chanel, uh, brother of LaVisca Chanel, at mm-hmm. wide receiver. I like uh, him a lot. Oh, yeah. They added Jake uh, – not Jake Lamb, Jack Lamb from Notre Dame as a mm-hmm. linebacker. 
and they have Nate Landman. I think that linebacker core is up there uh, sort of in the, the rankings of the Pac-12. Um, but outside of that, there is not much to not much to boast about. I think not a bowl team, maybe five and seven if Jarrett continues with where he's going, um, but otherwise not, not my favorite team. I mean, the weird thing with Colorado last year is they scored 28 and a half points a game, and you think that would be enough, but their defense gave up almost 32 points a game. So, like, like that just canceled out perfectly. Um, like you said, I don't know who they're going to start at QB. You have Brendan Lewis. You have JT Shrout. So, that'll be, that'll be interesting uh, to see who wins the job. Um, the group, the, their defense, though, against the run, they were, they were eighth in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, they gave up a lot of big plays. Uh, the most in the Pac-12. So they need to improve on that side of the ball if they want to have any chance of winning games this year because I don't know if they're going to be able to get good QB play. So, yeah, the defense has definitely got to improve. Certainly. Certainly. As I look around the Pac-12, it becomes uh, glaringly obvious that if Carter Stanley were playing in 2021 and he were on a Pac-12 team, he would instantly turn any of them, any of them, I mean, even the worst team in the Pac-12, we're talking about Arizona. You put Carter Stanley on Arizona, they're going 12-0. They're going to the national championship, and they are beating Alabama or Clemson or whoever for the national championship. All right, all right, all right. Speaking of Arizona, though, I literally wrote an article about this not too long ago, and I have their MVP as a cornerback. Oh, you wrote an article about Carter Stanley being on Arizona and leading them to a national championship? Sky- okay. <laughs> okay, wait. Uh, let me ask you a question, Sky. How many wins did Carter Stanley lead Kansas to in his time there? Um, five, which was more than KU has had in the last however many since 2008 with anybody else combined. So you, so you expect them to double that to lead a Pac-12 team to the national championship. That's basically what you're saying. Yes. With the QB coach that couldn't get Cam Newton to play good football anymore as uh, their head coach. It's Carter Stanley. He doesn't need anybody else to get him to play good. He's okay, going moving to go on. Out there. He's right, going so, to do what he did against Sam Ellinger at Texas, almost leading KU to beat a ranked Texas team, throwing for almost 400 yards and no picks, Texas, outplaying Sam Ellinger. It's Texas. It's Texas. <laughs> they let any quarterback throw for over 500. They all, I mean, Joe Burrow, like, and any quarterback that ran through there threw for, like, 400-plus. Yeah. It was bad. So, Carter Stanley was better than Joe Burrow. He was all right, moving on. Okay, Arizona. <laughs> uh, Mackis, what are your thoughts there? Arizona, I have them winning one game because they play an FCS team. Um I don't know who they're. Yeah, I don't know who they're starting quarterback. They've got transferred Jordan McLeod from USC. Uh, not USC. USF University of Southern Florida. Uh, he's not good. Uh, they had Gunnar Cruz, who was like a third string quarterback for Wazoo. He's not good. And um, Will Plummer. Uh, guess what? He's not good. Um, but there is. This is a rebuilding process. They're clearly going to need a few years before they hit the ground running. Uh, Christian Roland Wallace is a decent cornerback, um, and they added Treshawn Howard from Western Michigan. He was a decent linebacker for a while there, but outside of that, I really don't see much. Uh, much. Yeah, the offense was horrible last year. They 
averaged 17 points a game. So that that that's really, really bad. Don Brown is going to be their defensive coordinator. Um, you know, last year at Michigan wasn't very good. If Richard Duma, if you're listening, um, you know, I guess you take take that for what it's worth. Um, you know, yeah, Arizona just a lack of talent. They're rebuilding. Uh I have them winning one game as well. I don't think they can compete with anyone in the Pac-12 as at this moment. So they're gonna they're at least like three years away from competing. Lack of talent, which would be solved by getting okay. Carter Stanley using his fifth year of eligibility. He's still eligible. Is he actually? I'm pretty sure. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't played pro football. He retired. Fair. I mean, it helps, right. when, helps that his family was rich, so he didn't really have to rely on it. But yeah. Let's head to the north. Um, it's pretty clear who wins north to me. Uh, I have Washington Huskies. Um, Washington Huskies, uh, so they bring back their starting quarterback from last season. He did okay. Uh, that was his first season, so I expect him to progress from that. And they've got a good stable of running backs. they got Kate Otten at tight end, who's really, really, really solid. Their offensive line is you know, I would be biased and say second best in the conference, but legitimately this is the best offensive line in the conference. Jackson Kirkland. Jackson Kirkland's a beast. And their defense, oh my God. Edifuan Alufashio is already my linebacker one for the 2022 class. I mean, ZTF is out with an injury, but they've got five-star recruits of my smalls. Uh, they've got Brent McDuffie at cornerback. He's an absolute beast. They got a bunch of guys in that, in that secondary. This is a hard team to bet against. Yeah, no, Washington looks stacked again. You know, this is going to be Jimmy Lake's first full year as their head coach. Um, this, yeah, the defense in the Pac-12, I mean, this is this is definitely probably the best unit. You know, we went over, like, the other teams earlier, but Washington definitely has a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, I think I, – I hope Dylan Morris takes a step in this year to, as their quarterback. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know – if he plays well, because, you know, he has Sam Heward, their freshman that they just brought in, you know, breathing down his neck. So, you know, definitely a little bit of pressure there. But other than that, I, I think Washington's definitely going to be at the top of the Pac-12 once again. Yeah. And, they, you know, they got a key transfer. They lost probably the best slot corner in the NCAA last season uh, to the draft. And they added Brendan Radley Hiles from Oklahoma. I believe he's a nickel. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's Washington. So you want to hit Oregon next, I guess? Uh, Oregon, you know, there's only so many people that can stomach yellow and green at once. Um, Hater. <laughs> as Mac, as Mac, for those who Mac, don't know, Mac just, is we'll, we'll get an there, Oregon we'll get. State Beavers fan. Just, just leading off of, I'm reading Max's article right now. Oregon leads off with, this Oregon team doesn't deserve playoff hype. His Oregon Doesn't. State section leads off with, it may seem bold for me to put the Beavers with such a high record. So, I mean. <laughs> but this Oregon, okay, this Oregon team does not deserve the playoff hype. They're starting Anthony Brown at quarterback, and Anthony Brown has been anything, you know, he's been he's been mediocre. Yeah, what is with people in giving all these Pac-12 teams playoff hype? They haven't, they, they never go there anyways. Like, they're, like, towards the end of the year, they're never in the conversation. So I wrote an article about Pac-12 teams making the playoffs, and I said, three years from now, Wazoo will make the playoffs. Then that will be the next bet. <laughs> wow, three years. So that would mean 
Okay, so Washington made it 2016. Was that their last time with Jake Browning? Was that 2017? I want to say so. Yeah, so then that that would mean like seven, six, seven years. So 2023, we're looking at senior quarterback. Uh, We'll get get to Wazoo later, and we we can talk about that later. Is John Um, Ross already a five-year NFL veteran? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a while, it's but been, yeah, okay. but Oregon, you know, I mean, Matt, because we were talking about this earlier, Kayvon Thibodeau, amazing talent, but you know, there were just some games where you know he had little to no impact at all, which is a problem, and that reminds me of Jadavion Clowney a little bit um, when he was at South Carolina, you know, freakishly athletic, but you know, sometimes they just don't have an impact on the game, which is not good. But again, I mean, he's still going to be an All American. He's still going to be probably one of the best defensive players in college football. Uh, I like their running backs situation, CJ Verdell, Travis Dye. That's a great potent punch that they have at running back. And that'll help Anthony Brown. I mean, I don't really like him, but, you know, he'll definitely have some talent to lean on. So, and they have a tough game week two. So we'll see what the Ducks are made of. They have Ohio State at the shoe. So, and they led the Pac-12 in turnovers last year, they gave up. They they turned the ball over sixteen times, which it is not was good at all. It was bad. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it lightly. The, Anthony Brown is not an ideal quarterback. Uh, we haven't seen a ton from their offensive line yet. I know they're returning the majority of their starters, and they added Kingsley Sumata in in recruiting, but I don't have high hopes for that. Walking, you know, Travis Dye and CJ Verdell is a good tandem to have in the backfield. You really need to have you know, a passing game and a you know run blocking game if you want them to produce it all. Uh, defensively, yes, they've got okay, they've got some talent on defense, right? They've got Kayvon Thibodeau, they've got Noah Sewell, they've got some linebackers, but in the defensive, like in their defensive backs, they only have Mikel Wright, only guy there. Right. Everyone else is completely unproven, and that is a massive concern. And then the other concern is every single team in the Pac-12 is using the transfer portal except for Oregon. No transfer. Zero. Yeah, so, I mean, again, that's, that's going to be interesting to see how they perform. And, you know, I'm really intrigued to see how they play against Ohio State because that, that, to me, will make Oregon season yeah. to see if they're legit or not. And, you know, it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, moving on to the next team in the North for me in the rankings, uh, Washington State, again, a team I've very clearly said that I'm high on. And I think this is very clearly must-watch TV. Uh, Nick Rolovich runs an incredible offensive scheme. Hayden Delora is an incredible quarterback. The running backs, they've got Max Borgie and Ian McIntosh. They've got an incredible offensive line. Their wide receiver core is incredible as well. And they added CJ Moore, who's like yes. six foot four, and he used to play for OSU. Crazy, crazy good offense. Defensively, okay, there's a little concerns there. But uh, Jalen Watson from the JUCO rankings last season and Caleb Ford Devin from ODU is going to be massive for them in the secondary. Um, but Damn, this team is looking good. In a couple of years, it's going to be – this is going to be a contending team in, in the playoffs. I'm completely honest here. Wow, that's definitely high hopes for Washington Washington State here. Uh, I do like C.J. Moore a lot. I, I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think he's going to play well. Uh, the defense, um, 
we'll see. They have seven starters returning. Uh, you know, Jihad Woods. I mean, that's that's the big piece that they're going to be returning. Uh, Max Borgie, you know, he's going to have a full year of work. I think he's going to finally break out and have a great year. I like Jaden Delora a lot. Um, he is competing, though, with Tennessee transfer. Yeah, Jarrett, I can never say his name right. But, yeah, Jarrett G, that's just what I'm going to call him. <laughs> um, I think Delora wins the job, though. Um, yeah, so I think Wazoo, it'll be interesting. I think they're going to have a good year. Uh, bowl team, I think. Uh, oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. so if in a couple of years, wouldn't be surprised to see him in the playoff either, especially considering that the Pac-12 is generally weak when it comes to Dude. that aspect of football. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. Very excited. Very. I'm telling you, if this, if Wazoo is on your TV, you should turn it on because this offense will be beautiful. Yeah, and, I mean that's been the case though for like I want to say a couple. Oh of years. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Anthony so Gordon. like they went from Mike Leach to Nick Rolovich, and Mike Leach runs an air raid offense that's a lot of mesh concepts. It's very high flying passing wise. To Nick Rolovich, who's the run and shoot offense, which is a lot of option routes and switches, switch concepts. Um, and they're right. both awesome to them. right i mean they may they may be really exciting offensively but at the end of the day they're no k they don't have they're no, they're no jason have, bean yeah, and lance yeah. lee pulled so i mean just had to throw that in there you're right they're not because washington state is better so hey he's gonna win four games this year yeah <laughs> and yeah and, and so let's move on mvp to- Exactly. Uh, so let's move on to the team that would probably Jason be Bean is by. better than Drew Locke. Don't even, don't even throw let's, him into let's, the Okay, all right. Let's move on to oh, the okay. team. Okay, Drew Locke isn't that bad. Okay. And, and Jason Bean could literally – Jason Bean would lip, rip Drew Locke apart in a, like, street fight too. It's <laughs> Jason, not even close. <laughs> Jason oh Bean, if you're watching this, please come on our show instead of, like, not responding to us. Uh, anyways, uh, so let's move on to the team that KU would lose to by 40, Oregon State. <laughs> well, Oregon State returns five starters of a top 25 run blocking team in the NCAA. And that's, that's, that's scary. Yeah, like, it is scary. I agree. And so they've got a stable of wide receivers that are every single one of them is fast. You got Zariah Beeson, you got uh, Taijong Lindsay, you've got the guy from FSU that I'm going to forget the name of. You got uh, Trevon Bradford, you've got uh, the brother of current Lions wide receiver Victor Bolden. There is talent front to bottom. Josiah Irish, uh, Sky, you actually, Anthony Gold, you know him. Uh, you used to play with him or something. Um, this is a talented wide receiver room. Tight ends, they've probably got the best run blocking tight end in the conference in, uh, in Quintoriano. And then they've got Luke Musgrave, who's an incredible receiver. The quarterback, there's some questions there, uh, certainly. Um, and defensively, there's a few questions, but um, I'll let you take it away for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the defense, though, they had, they had, I like their linebacking trio that they have. They have Avery Roberts, Omar Spates, and on. I can't say his name right, but Hughes Murray, the other guy, the other guy. Grace Hughes Murray. Yeah. Uh, and don't don't forget about he's been injured the past two seasons, but Addison Gums was a big time recruit. Uh, he's been good in the time he's been. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I do think Oregon State is a bit underrated coming into the season. You know, I know Maccas is going to love that. But, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, they lose Jamar Jefferson. But, you know, like you said, talented receiver room, great offensive line. So, you know, I don't think they're going to lose a lot there. Uh, quarterback play, it's going to be huge for them. You know, it'll be interesting to see if Gebbia is going <laughs> to – it's going to be interesting to see if Gebbia can, you know, have a productive year and lead this offense. But – I think Oregon State is a borderline bull team as of right now. And so, yeah, that's the other thing about Oregon State is the past two seasons, they've had a ton of one-score losses. And yeah, they lost that, all of yeah. their games by 13 points or less last year. Yeah, and that's that's a big surprise because the second half of the season, they didn't have their starting quarterback out there. And we were killed by injuries uh, sort of end of the season. Uh, one guy you didn't mention uh, who is – a great linebacker for us, um, but he also plays Wildcat quarterback. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but he is an incredibly ex- instinctive linebacker. Who He's learning how to tackle, but he's very instinctive. Um, yeah, but for the defense, though, they're going to need to, you know, create some plays. Like, you know, giving up – they only had six takeaways last year. So yeah. and they had twelve plays of forty plus yards last year that they gave up. So that needs to improve as well. But yeah. I I do like Oregon State though, the rest of the team that they have for sure. You know, as former Oregon State player we had on the podcast, he was talking about Nashon's Wright's brother, Rajon Wright, who is an incredible athlete at corner. He's finally gonna get a chance to start in that. It's gonna be an interesting player to watch there. Uh, they also added Elijah Jones from KU. Sky, what were your thoughts on Elijah Jones throughout his career as the best defender in KU history? He was not the best defender on Kansas defense. Uh, Karen Pruti was much better. And you mean SEC cornerback Karen Pruti? And shows, and shows far more potential as Elijah Jones has played, what, like 13 games across his entire three years at KU? Was it? And I don't know. he wasn't redshirted. He just could not stay on the field. I think right. I think Oregon okay. State, the beeves, as the kids nowadays call them. The kids go, nowadays guy. Okay. We'll go five <laughs> and seven. Are they they're more five likely to go five and seven than seven and five to me? That's a re- so they went five and seven in twenty nineteen and they lost four games by sing, uh single digits. Right? And that includes games against Washington. Oregon. They beat Oregon. No, no, not, not in 2019. We lost Oregon. Oh, not in 2019. Oh, 2019. No, no. Over. Oregon owns yeah. them, Izzy. It's fine. Oregon owns them. We, we beat them last season. Every college football program owns Kansas. So. Yeah, that's also <laughs> a very fair point. Uh, Actually, but, we, lead the, we lead our rivalry series in both against K-State and Mizzou all time by yeah, like How's that going the games. past 13 years? How's that going the past 13 years? Hey, how was it going the 100 years before that? We lead by like 30 games. Interesting. Um, at least Kansas has basketball. Yeah, at least Kansas has basketball. Hey, All right, come on, let me hey, have football. All right. Hey, we're the, we're the second-ranked team in the way-too-early top 25 right now. About to return Jalen Wilson with Remy Martin and all of our transfers. Hey, we're, our Alrighty. basketball team is a national championship contender this year. I don't care about football. Okay, then. Okay, you know, Sky. Tell Jason me that. Um, but anyways, moving on to a team that's perennially pre- perennially good, but I don't think they will be this year. Stanford, they lost yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, they, they, they have 
they don't have a quarterback right now, so that's interesting. Um, they don't have a line. Yeah, the line. The line is not going to be good either. I like Michael Wilson at receiver. Um, Austin Jones at running back, I think, is is decent as well. Um, yeah, but you know, Stanford they always figure out a way though. David Shaw is a great coach. Um, you know, they went four and eight in twenty nineteen, but they went four and two last year. So I would expect you know maybe a five and seven season from them. To be honest with you, I have them going three and nine. I'm not very high on this team at all. I think oh, they're, really? they're they're missing talent at a lot of positions, especially on defense. Their only real defensive back is Q Blue Kelly, uh, and their only real like front seven guy is Thomas Booker, and I don't think that they can carry this team. Yeah, defense is going to be a problem as well. They ranked last in the Pac-12 in third down defense, pass efficiency defense, and they gave up 222 rushing yards a game. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah, probably three and nine would be realistic for them, but I, I five and seven, four and eight, probably where I have them. So. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a rough season to be a Stanford fan. Um, if they exist, I don't have <laughs> uh, but moving on to probably the bottom of the north, uh, Cal. Cal, 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 Cal. Chase Garbers, right? Chase right? <laughs> um, you know, Bill Musgrave is his play caller, and as a Broncos fan, that is not what you want. Um, I don't think the end, you know, they, I don't think the offense will improve, you know, because I that Musgrave is so bad and Garbers isn't great either. Um, they ranked last in the Pac-12 in yards per play for the past four seasons. So that's not going to help at all. They only averaged 20 points a game last year, gave up 15 sacks as well. Um, you know, yeah. So it's going to it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough year in Cal, probably even rougher, rougher than it is going to be in Stanford. Um, they have some good linebackers, Cameron Good, uh, Keanu Dang. You know, we'll see how they do. Um, but Cal, I, I would be surprised if they win more than three football games. I have them at three and nine. Um, a guy I'm really excited to see, Nico Remigio, actually returned two punt returns for a touchdown against the Beavers last season. Both were called back because uh, the, their team doesn't know how to block, so they just hold and you know, blindside block. Um, but Nico Remigio is a decent returner, and I think he can bring that to the field as a receiver. I think he might have a breakout year going on, and he, he might be the best offensive weapon outside of Christopher Brown that they're running. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with, with what you said there. Yeah. Wait, Max. Does Oregon yes. State play Arizona this year? Yes. No. Maybe. Possibly. They do? Upset alert. I'm going to send it out on our Twitter. Upset alert that night. Oregon State versus I'm really Cal. Inter- upset alert. Notice how everybody was quiet as you said that, Sky. Let's see, let's see. <laughs> October 30th at Cal in Berkeley. Upset alert. Yeah, that's really that's really great, Sky. Um, one game I'm really excited, like a lot of Pac-12 games, you know, out of conference, the big ones suck because, you know, Ohio State's going to absolutely bully Oregon. Uh, you know, Washington yeah. Michigan might be, it's probably going to be a really good game, but Oregon State versus Purdue might be the best Pac 12 non conference game. Oregon State versus Purdue. Yeah, that would, yeah, I would, I would 
I can see. Yeah, that. I mean until Purdue tramples them at home. Also, September twenty fifth, Oregon State at USC. Slovis, twelve touchdowns, six hundred yards. Twelve touchdowns, six hundred. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are you dice. counting? Are you counting like pick sixes in that number? Nope. He's gonna throw I one really interception. Twelve touchdowns, six hundred yards. He's gonna throw a Carter Stanley esque numbers. And November twenty so seventh, Oregon State at Oregon. Hey, upset oh, alert! Oregon State goes down. So Oregon down. State's gonna win that one. Nope. We're not favored against Oregon or USC, and you're calling upset alerts. I'm calling upset because you'll be upset after they lose the Ducks. Are <laughs> <laughs> they going to be upset if Oregon State loses to the Ducks? We lose to the Ducks every year. Oh, like, my God. That's crazy, dude. Really hey, bold. at least you guys have basketball. Oh, wait. Sorry. Yeah, we actually made it further in the tournament than you did last season. And? The year that we were going to win the national, that we were heavily favored to win the national championship, the season got cut short. And we were missing key players going into the tournament this year. Yeah. Um, but two starters. You know, two starters, we've got, Marcus. Two starters. Two starters. Um, but anyways, uh, I think we got one more conference, the SEC, left to do. We'll probably tackle that in the next coming weeks. Um, but this is going to be a great uh, football season for uh, for the NCAA, unless you are a disappointed KU fan who isn't going to get to hey, watch many wins. Eventually, we'll have um, a KU centric episode, basketball and football, where I will prove Mac is wrong. And he's going to lead us to a four win season. That KU's <sighs> basketball team is a national championship. K- wait, wait, wait! KU's basketball team is going to lead them to a four win season. Breaking oh, I said, news. I said, Calm. Guy has KU basketball winning four games next season. Mac is All right, and I think syntax. that's going to break. <laughs> oh, this is great. I love this show. Oh, man. All right. We should probably hit the break, though. And then we will talk about the best player in the NBA, Benjamin Simmons. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. If Ben Simmons has traded the Warriors, I'm not going to say I'm it on the show, so but. This guy's going to lose his mind. Right, yeah, cool. three gaping holes uh, from them. And we are back to talk about NBA, specifically Benjamin Simmons. Uh, specifically Marcus... trade rumors in the NBA, but mostly Benjamin Simmons probably because Sky, you know, always loves to talk about his favorite player in the NBA. I mean, I've been seeing, Mac has talked about it a little bit, and Stephen A. Smith's Big Mouth was talking about it earlier today about how he's received calls. One, how is Ben Simmons' contract going to fit unless we're trading away Andrew Wiggins, which would be horrible. I do not think with the way that the Golden State Warriors' future is headed and the way that the team plays, that getting rid of Andrew Wiggins in favor of Ben Simmons would be a good move. I'm sure Philly would take the jump on that. But the Warriors shouldn't do that. Giving up the pick this year, which I think would be, you know, I think we're going to end up trading our our pick from the Wolves, which I am not against because I feel like there's like four or five really good players that are instantly, you know, 
could make an impact on a team and we land just outside of that. So I think trading the pick is a good move, but taking on Ben Simmons' contract in, in an offseason when we already have to re-sign Steph, uh, we're looking at extensions towards Clay and other guys, like, and we still want to, like, build our our depth up. You know, Ben Simmons is a player that has, is, it's widely known, he doesn't like to practice, he is lazy. Did you not see the report that came out earlier this week, Marcus, from the leak inside the Sixers? He's lazy, it's just that he doesn't listen to his coaching. Like yeah, it, it said that he was in the report like he that he was lazy because he's... But have you listened to what Jimmy Butler has come out and said? Have you listened to what, you know, J.J. Redick has come out and said? What J.J. McConnell has come out and said? What, what Still, Dwight Howard has come out if, and said? If, like, if, he was, if he was a gym rat, he would have fixed his jump shot by now. Look at Lonzo. Lonzo had one of the ugliest jump shots I have ever seen coming into the NBA. He could not hit the broadside of a barn his first year. How he's many, now an efficient scorer. How many how many uh, all-star appearances does Lonzo have? Because he plays for that shithole New Orleans team. The team that oh. everybody wants out of. Okay, so you're saying because Lonzo is in New Orleans, he's not an all-star, but if he was somewhere else, he would be? Yes. That is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. And when you look at... Uh, when you look at the way the Warriors play, we're a shooting team. Ben cannot shoot. Uh-huh. We do not need anybody to help space the floor when we have Draymond, Steph, and Clay already on the floor, and Wiggins, and Wiseman is a very good. I think Steve Kerr called Wiseman uh, the best passing big man that he's played or coached with. Like, mm-hmm. we have enough facilitation. We are going to have a great defense next year. We had a great defense this year, and our offense is going to get much better next year, especially if we don't waste all of the money that we have for our depth on Ben Simmons' contract. It's going to be the same thing that we did with KD, where when we got KD, when we signed KD, our entire depth went away, mm-hmm. and we had just a bunch of vet minimums and rookies on the bench. It's going to be that exact same way if we okay. take on Ben Simmons' contract. All right. That's a, certainly an interesting take. But that's not the only place I've seen rumors of Ben Simmons going. Uh, and I think, Izzy, you were a big supporter of the C.J. McCollum for Ben Simmons, right? Uh, yeah, I was. It, look, the Sixers need shot creating. Uh, you know, it was evident in the playoffs. You know, Seth Curry was their best shot creator. And that's not a knock on Seth, but he can't be that every every single game. So they need someone who can be consistent and get you – 20 to 22 a game alongside Embiid but just my thoughts on Ben Simmons to Golden State it doesn't make sense at all because Golden State needs as much shooting as possible and you know Draymond is not the best shooter in the world already so if you couple that with Ben Simmons plus giving up Andrew Wiggins and you know whatever draft compensation that the Warriors are gonna have to give up that just doesn't make any sense to me I don't think that gets them better I would honestly wait it out see you know if they can get like a third piece or whatever like you know a star and you know see what they can do with those draft picks and hopefully they hit but yeah Ben Simmons for CJ would probably be a good trade I would you know I I mean I'll ask Portland as well if they were if they you know Dame's unhappy and request a trade soon you know maybe a Ben Simmons Thibault 
maybe even maxi package and a couple of firsts for Dane. You know, that'll definitely put the Sixers over the top. And, you know, the, I know Philly is still reluctant to trade him, you know, because, you know, Ben Simmons does have talent. He was he was the second he had the second most votes for defensive player of the year. He was all NBA defensive first team. You know, he did a good job guarding Trey Young in the playoff. It's just his offensive game needs to take the next step. And, you know, if he doesn't have a jump shot or anything, you know, he still needs to be aggressive. That's the problem that he had, you know, in the playoffs, he wasn't. So, you know, he definitely needs to fix, all, like, his whole offensive game and, you know, just being aggressive in general if he wants to stick around in Philly. And he needs to show a willingness to do that. Otherwise, you know, you trade you trade him for whatever you can get for him. Yeah. Uh, and I think I was reading somewhere that the perfect offseason for Philly at this point is you trade Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum, and then you sign Kyle Lowry in free agency. Uh, and what what would your thoughts on that be, uh, you two? Uh, that would that would be good for Philly, honestly, because uh, you remake the backcourt essentially. You move Seth Curry to the bench. Um, that would that that would that would honestly be great for Philly if they could, if they can pull that off that, that they can they can go far with that especially if Lowry keeps up his level of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that for Philly. The only thing I'd be worried about is um, the the defense that they're losing isn't really gained. Like, oh, Lowry's not a terrible team. defender, but Lowry's not Lowry's yeah. not half of Ben Simmons defensively. Right, but they could move Matisse to the starting lineup yeah. in theory. Yeah. yeah, I think their biggest the problem league. would be defense, but I mean, there's always workaways around that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to the level where you take Ben Simmons off that team. Have, it's like, not to the level green. where like the Nets are, where it's going to spoil you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you still have you would still have Danny Green on defense, Dwight Howard if they decide to bring back Tease, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they 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 and Doc Rivers is a good defensive coach, so they they would be able to work around that. And, and beat up the rim. Duggars is a good defensive coach until the playoffs come. Yeah, yeah. he can't he can't make adjustments. That's and that, that's not even a knock on Philly. That's a knock on him because of what he did in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the next section of trade rumors, I think a really big trade rumor has been uh, Lillard, Damian Lillard. Um, I don't think he moves. I don't think he requests the trade. Yeah. Because I think I, he's shown he's happy in Portland. He, this that's where he lives. He is best friends with CJ. I mean, I don't think I don't think they move Lillard. No, I don't think they move the reports came out earlier that he's impatient right now. So they need to bring something in, you know. Yeah. And especially since Kid's not going to be there, and that was his guy. Like I would be with you, Marcus, if they hired Jason Kidd to be their next head coach, because Certainly. that was that was definitely like Lillard wanted him, and you know, Kid decided to go to Dallas with Luca, which you can understand, I guess, but. I, I do think, like, if Dame Lillard wants to win a championship in his career, he, he needs to get out of Portland because he's not going to do it there. Um, you know, they don't have enough. Uh, Nurkic, I heard, wants out as well, not happy with his role. So that would leave a big hole at center, um, you know, because Enos Kanter is not the best replacement in the world. Um, you know, and de- defensively, I thought they would be much better than they were, you know, especially adding Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington. I thought their perimeter defense would be one of the best in the league. That was not the case, and you know they went out in the first round yet again. So, I, w- I think Dame Lillard requests a trade, but it will be good for Portland because then that means they have to get to move CJ as well. Because then they would just rebuild and they would get a ton of assets. 
you know, well, in return to jumpstart a rebuild. Certainly, but what are your thoughts on the assets they already have to start a rebuild? They've got Anthony Simons, uh, Simmons. Oh, my God. Simons. Simons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they, they've got... They, they have some nice pieces. But I like um, Nasir Little. I really think he hasn't been unlocked yet. Um, you know, obviously Simons, you know, I think he could be a great bucket getter. Um, Derek Jones Jr. decided to keep him. You know, he could be a good wing defender for them. Um, I I do like the pieces that they have there currently. I don't think and Norm Norman Powell as well. If they decide to bring him back, mm-hmm. I think he's a free agent if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they trade Dame because I think Dame leaving Portland is going to be on Dame's call, and I think it's going to happen during free agency. Because I mean, it's not like a James Harden Houston situation where you know Harden was noticeably like very 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 upset like with um with Houston and like there's a couple of reports coming out about Dame being upset but not anything too massive and I mean Dame shows a lot more love to Portland than James did to Houston I mean that's not really a fault to James Harden because that you know he had been with OKC and all of that but this has been the team that took on Dame through doubters, turned him into one of the best players in the league. And so I don't think they're going to trade him. I think if he did, he wouldn't demand a trade. And I believe he has a no-trade clause. So I'm sure he would want to pick something that if he was traded would benefit Portland. Just like, you know, get them, like make sure they're not completely wasted. But, uh, I think it would most likely happen in like a sign and trade and free agency, more likely like whenever it's I don't know when his contract's up, but whenever that's up. That makes sense. Uh, and then the other guy that there's you know rumors surrounding you know there's been rumors surrounding this guy for like what four or five seasons now. He's been in the league for six. Uh, Bradley Beal. Yeah, Bradley Beal. Um, I do think he gets moved because you know he looks he looks visibly unhappy in Washington, and you know. They have n- almost no direction. I mean, I thought this year they would rebuild, but, you know, they brought in Westbrook. Uh, they fired Scott Brooks, or he resigned, or mutually part ways, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think the Wizards should blow it up. It's time. You know, they need to. Yeah. Trade Beal, trade Westbrook if you can, if you can get whatever you want for them, and, you know, just hit the reset there. I don't yeah, know and this. I like their – oh, go ahead. Sorry. During the season, Beal said that he was never upset with – Washington, he was upset with the media surrounding Washington. Like, during the season, because it, it came out that, like, he was visibly upset on the bench, but it was because his their own home fans were booing it, them, and, like, he, he was never upset with, like, the team, that he loved the team. It was just, like, the media perception and, you know, the fan hate that they've been getting that he was upset with. Right. Uh I like their young pieces though in Washington. So if they if they do go the rebuild route, I think Denny I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Denny from last year's draft. I think if they utilize him correctly, he can be really really solid. Uh, and I think I think the same about uh, Hachimura, Rui Hachimura. Uh, I think they could be both both like work well together, uh, kind of in that three and four spot together. Um, but you kind of have to put the ball in Denny's hands if you want to like truly unlock his potential. Right, I mean, they do have some good, nice pieces, like you said. So, I mean, they they would be able to jumpstart a rebuild and the assets they would get back would help as well. Certainly. Anyone anyone else that you guys have been hearing rumors about? I'm not as fully invested in the NBA community as 
Um, as of right now, no, because I mean playoffs are still going on. But you know, off season, we'll, we'll definitely hear more stuff. I think a lot of these yeah. like players, like the big name players, with trade rumors coming out, or I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with you've got you know, medium to small market teams in the playoffs. It's not, it's not LA or Brooklyn or the Knicks. So I think the NBA world is kind of like beginning, like the NBA media is kind of beginning into like off season mode where. Yeah, the NFL has it every single year where, like, as soon as the offseason hits and things start to slow down, the NFL is just swamped with, like, will Tom Brady be traded? Will they trade Patrick Mahomes? Like, obviously no answers, but they just have to figure out something to talk about. You know, kind of like that's true. Kind of like this show for yeah. the past month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you raised a very valid point there, Sky. Um, I actually do have NBA-related question. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks have kind of taken the entire NBA world by surprise uh, this year in the playoffs, but they're really working with their backup coach, their assistant coach, Nate McMillan. Do they make him the full-time head coach, yes. or do they, go, do they go in another direction? No, they, they make him the full-time head coach. No, that, that's without question. I mean, that team, they were hovering in play-in territory, and then they got the fifth seed in the East, and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, they did – they are losing by 35 right now in game two, but he's definitely done a great job. He deserves a full-time contract as their head coach. They're losing by 35, but they took all their starters out like a quarter ago, so – all right, that's a very yeah, because they were down forty at the end of the third. Shout out yeah. to the Hawks bench for coming back five points and make it an only only a thirty-five point loss. Yep, um, fresh off the bench. Hence yes. the name. Hence <laughs> the name. Uh, but should Nate McMillan really have been fired in Indiana? They made a mistake, yeah. honestly, and they know it. So, I mean, obviously they got Carlisle now, but yeah. Nate McMillan's a great coach. So I don't think they should have fired him. Not at all. We're and 46 there's been, there's... minutes into this game with uh, Bucks Hawks. The Hawks on the floor right now are Mays, Dunn, Reddish, Snell, and Fernando. And they're starting five. John Collins played 24 minutes. Capello played 25. Treyon played 28. Bogdanovich played 18. And Horder played 30. So, I mean, Hawks they gave six. up a long time ago. Like, they Hawks gave up pretty early in this game. Yeah, they were down 33 at half. <laughs> yeah. Um, but So, that, that's actually another team that rumors have kind of been surrounding is the Pacers. And what do they do with that Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis feeling each other's minutes not working well really, together? We haven't really seen a lot of it, to be honest. So, I think they stick around for with it for one more year, see how it goes, because, mm-hmm. you know, injuries and whatnot. Yeah, and I've heard about Miles Turner possibly being traded to a team like the Hornets. What are your thoughts there, Izzy? You said who's getting traded to the Hornets? Miles Turner. To the Hornets. Awesome. That would that would be good because their weakness right now is center because they started Cody Zeller like towards the end of the season. So that's like not the best. And he would pair well with PJ Washington. So that would definitely be a good trade for new uh, for the Hornets there. And are the Hornets finals contenders with Miles Turner and development across the board? Are they finals contenders? Uh, no, but I definitely think they will be playoff contenders. <laughs> if they start Devontae Graham, they will be. But yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's that's a, that's the Hornets, though. Like, So they've got that is, an interesting guard. 
That is not Dark a hot. Situation. That's not a hot take because Devonte Graham, like I mean, it's a hot take, but like it's not that hot because Devonte Graham, his second year, like he should have won Most Improved Player. I think, right? Without a doubt, it was obvious to everybody that he was the most improved player in the league. His uh, points, assists, and rebound numbers all jumped up historically. Like we had never seen a jump like that. And it, it even showed in, like, you could say, like, oh, it's just a minute piece, but it showed in per 36 as well. So he became a much better player. And I think with Lamelo getting there, it kind of overshadowed. But he had a good year this year as well. I think if you play either Lamelo at the one and Graham at the two or Graham at the one and Lamelo at the two, that team could really show. Because, I mean, Lamelo is tall for a point guard anyways, and he has the shooting ability to be – an effective two guard. So if you put Graham at the one and Lamelo at the two, that could be an extremely good team. Like, extremely good backcourt. Right, so it's you, just the defense is going to be yeah. very questionable. You you bring up an interesting point there, though. So what would you, if you're the Hawks, what do you do with Terry Rozier and Malik Monk? Yeah, I think Terry Rozier is kind of at the point where they need to be looking to package him somewhere because. You have two young, very good guards already that are not costing you the pretty penny that Terry Rozier is. So, with Devontae Graham and, and Lamelo Ball, uh, <laughs> Rozier's on, I believe, a pretty decent-sized contract there, like at least 20. 17. I want to say 17. Something like that. Nowhere near. The, the other two are making nowhere near that. So, if you rock with them, you trade him for picks, you open up money for free agency. You can get a very decent player for the amount that you're paying for Terry Rozier. Because Terry Rozier kind of found, like, the hype after the playoffs. The Boston Boston made the run a couple years ago in the playoffs, and he was really good. He kind of, like, gravitated. Like, he kind of got that hype, and that's what got him that contract. But he hasn't lived up to being near, like, worth any of that. I mean, he did pretty well last season. Yeah, but I think... If you're looking at like their potential needs, it would fit more to get rid of his contract and get the assets that they can for that, and then sign a player that that fits more of their needs in the off season. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, at least. I mean, you've got three, four really talented guards as it is, so somebody's exactly. got to go. Speaking of talented car- guards that may have to go, I think Izzy's got a lot to say about this. Colin Sexton. Uh, yeah, there have been rumors going around for a few days now. So Cleveland's looking at Suds, potentially Mobley if he's still there, and Kaminga at three. So if they get Suggs at three, Sexton is likely gone. And I don't know how I really feel about that, to be honest, because I really like Colin Sexton. He took a big step this year. Uh, He averaged like 24 points a game. And obviously Garland took a huge step as well. It's just the issue with Sexton is that he gets tunnel vision sometimes. His playmaking is really, really lacking. So that's what Cleveland doesn't like. And, you know, sometimes he becomes a little too ball dominant. And, you know, I really think that's fixable because, you know, he just has to trust his teammates more and gain chemistry with them. But I wouldn't be mad if we drafted Suggs. I think he will complement Garland well because of his defensive ability and, you know, his ability to play off ball. You know, he's a good cutter and stuff like that. He just needs to fix his shot. Uh, Very athletic. Fast, quick. I do like Suggs a lot, and I would be okay with that if 
if we trade Sexton, that would be like the only avenue I would accept if you know picking sucks. But I do want Jonathan Kaminga to be the next Cleveland Cavalier. All right. I think that's a, a very fair assessment. Uh, where do you think – so what teams are, are drawing the interest for, for Sexton right uh, There haven't been any reports of that yet. It's just like, you know, Cleveland would be snooping around for offers, but uh, maybe you could fit with him, maybe the, even the Sixers. I mean, if they want a shot creator, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just off the top of my head here. But, I mean, you know. I think it would be a good fit because they need like a scoring guard, you know, like because they have everything else. So, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, Mac. Is that's a situation? I I think personally they probably need more of a guy who's who's a, a ball handler and a distributor than a, a scorer at the guard position. Because I think I think Seth Curry can be a legitimate scorer for us, um, but certainly a, a guy who's who's a passer. I don't really think that's what is and I think Ben Simmons can legitimately develop into that um, if he gets a jump. Uh, right. Right. But anyways, I, I guess if anyone has nothing, if nobody has anything else to add, I guess that's the show. Yeah, we're about to hit our time limit. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. Listening. Thanks for coming on, AZ. Yeah. Anytime. Appreciate having you on. Yes, sir. Anytime. We'll we'll see you guys hopefully back on a more regular schedule. It's been kind of thrown in the air the last last couple weeks, but you know, we are trying our best to get out to a more regular schedule again like we had before, and we'll keep pushing for that, so any last words, guys? Peace. Uh, no, it's always fun to come on and talk about Carter Stanley in every single segment of the show. So, yeah, yeah. only college football. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>